What's up, champs? Welcome to another episode of the Short Shifts Fantasy Hockey Podcast. I am your host, Ben Burnett, and joining me, as always, my pal and yours, Louis Ezekiel. Louis, my friend, how are you doing this fine, fine Tuesday evening? I'm doing great. I uh, really enjoyed uh, hearing the news today that uh, my two favorite captains are getting together uh, to help run the Red Wings. So Nicholas Lidstrom is joining Steve Eiserman, the Eiser plan continues forward apace. So I thought that was pretty cool. I'm very happy for you. I, I wonder what it's like to have an undramatic front office to cheer for a team who is not in the throes of like the most bizarre decision making processes that you know, usually even like with a team like the Leafs historically or the Sens a few years back or, you know, the Jim Benning era, there's like a, oh, everything, nothing makes sense about this. With the Rangers, it's like this weird thing of like, all of a sudden things got thrown into disarray. So anyway, uh, this isn't about my team. It's about yours. And I am happy for you. Well, and you know, if we're talking about dysfunction, we've got some fun Oilers talk coming up later. So <laughs> do we? Well, maybe we have some potential Oilers talk since we're ah. talking about you know who. Right, right, right. Voldemort. Yeah, we're talking about. <laughs> uh, let's get into the fantasy hockey news portion of the show, which is the whole show, of course. And nowhere to start except for in, I guess we can't even really say a city for where we're starting because we're talking about a player. I think this is the biggest news in the fantasy hockey world today. Evander Kane appears to be uh, inking a deal with a team shortly. No specifics that are known yet. But, Lewis, you sent me a link to a tweet that, that said that there could be a deal signed like as soon as tonight. Yeah. So, I mean, this is Tim Peel noted, not probably an insider. So I don't know if we want to put too much stock into it. But there does seem to be a lot of chatter that... You know, uh, you know, it's it's the rumor mill, right? So we hear, oh, you know, he's signed with Edmonton. And then, no, we haven't signed with anyone yet. We're evaluating all of our options. So by the time you're listening to this, you may have the answer here. Um, but yeah, definitely interesting to sort of follow the pulse of how this is all going. Interesting that so many teams are so eager to run out and pluck him up after he was kind of unceremoniously terminated with the Sharks. Uh, but you know, uh, there are many GMs who will watch another GM touch a hot stove and then gleefully run over and put their hand on the burner themselves. (laughs) It's a hilarious way of putting it. And I think that, um, Brian and Elon sort of hinted at this earlier on, on the Sunday night, keeping Carlson episode, but talking about the way that the Tony D'Angelo, uh, gamble seems to be paying off for Carolina. I'm sure that's the same sort of deal here. Like, it would be tough to come back from what the Sharks have dealt with with Evander Kane. And, and I think that equating him with Tony D'Angelo, uh, somebody who is not accused of doing several heinous crimes, um, is is not the best one-to-one. But it is a one-to-one in the sense that we saw what happens with a burnt bridge on a fan base where it's like the Rangers could not bring back a player who got punched in the face by his own teammate. Just like the Sharks can't really bring back a player who a, they need to pay seven times seven uh, on the, on the books or I guess 7 million for however many years are left on his deal, but also a player who all reports had come out that was not liked within the organization. I think that, a team that has a very strong leadership group in place 
might be an okay fit for Evander Kane, somewhere where he shows up and is it's made very clear like you're either you either follow the folks who are the the leadership group that's in place and you sort of you you sit down and you do not make it about yourself or you're out of here. And I could see some I could see a team making a a solid gamble and and doing well with that. So let me pitch you on an alternative theory. What if there is a team that is floundering around, sees an opportunity to pick up a player for close to the league minimum who can help them? They're in a cap crunch. They desperately need uh, offensive production from someone other than their two superstars. Uh, maybe a problematic locker room, but we did, you know, one of the first rumors that, that sort of was out there was that he was nearing a deal with the Oilers. Uh, you're describing a situation where, you know, uh, they follow the leadership. We heard Ken Holland say the other day that the solutions for the team are coming from inside the locker room. Uh, do you see an Evander Kane addition being something that could work in Edmonton? I think on a hockey level, Evander Kane would do just fine on a line with Connor McDavid. Um, I don't know that it would work in a longer term sense. Like you, you get. I mean, if you're following any other leagues, I think the player who obviously jumps to mind is Antonio Brown, where it just feels like every day that you think that there can't be a more ridiculous headline about Evander Kane to come out, something new happens, as with this um, this reported broke COVID protocol to travel to Vancouver while COVID positive, uh, allegedly. Um, so I, I just... I. I could see it working from a pure hockey standpoint, you know, and like an EA sports sense, like trade for Evander Kane in the, or like sign him off waivers in your NHL franchise mode. But if you had to actually put those personalities together, I would be worried in Edmonton, which it just doesn't feel like there's a, as strong of a leadership group as a team, like maybe Boston or, or, um, or Tampa Bay, something like that. Sure. And, you know, I, I'm thinking about it and it, it just, it sort of makes sense to me because it seems like every move that we're seeing, everything from, you know, throwing one goalie over the bus, under the bus and protecting the one that Tippett kind of wanted on the team, uh, in, in, um, uh, Mike Smith. And then, you know, Tippett playing dry sidle for 25 minutes a night to try to get the offense going. Just seems like every move that Ken Holland and Dave Tippett are making are designed to try to tread water and preserve their jobs any way they can. And so for that reason, I kind of can see the logic of an Evander Kane signing in Edmonton, but it doesn't, you know, it's not a very comforting thought, I don't think. Yeah, it's definitely a desperate times, desperate measures situation if it comes to that uh definitely seeing the needle moving in fantasy in the fantasy hockey world uh Kane's rostered percentage shot up 14 percent today he's now owned or rostered in nearly 50 percent of fantasy hockey leagues on Yahoo so definitely I would be I'm much closer today to rostering him than I would have been at any point prior to this I think that things do seem to be progressing uh whether or not he actually plays is another question and uh I'm interested to see sort of how this plays out and I hope it's over soon that's kind of that's kind of where I'm at at this point 
Yeah, you know, in fantasy, he's not going to be in the locker room with your players. You know, there's no real risk to it. And, you know, if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. You're dropping the bottom player of your roster. And especially if you're in a position where, you know, I think there's a lot of schedule wins out there this week where, uh, you know, with some of the cancellations, you can potentially just either overwhelm your opponent or maybe you yourself are the one being overwhelmed. Uh, no reason not to sort of take a stab at it. I'm not surprised to see that the percent rostered has increased so rapidly. All right, Lewis, let's hop over to Vegas, where the Eichel has finally landed. Jack Eichel joined Vegas teammates on the ice for the first time today. Still no timeline for game action. Pete DeBoer said he'll remain in a non-contact role for a while. I know uh, when the trade was first announced, there was talk of him being out until roughly the uh, the return from the Olympics. Obviously, that's not happening anymore, but I would suspect that that means he's still a few weeks out, probably sometime mid-February. Um, any updates for you on, on how you feel about Jack Eichel? Are you considering you know, making a trade for him, trying to get him on any of your rosters? I have a feeling that it's going to be tough to prize them out of the hands of anyone who's been holding on to them. You know, so far that sunk cost is going to be so present in the, their mind, especially in a season where uh, IRs have been overflowing. Um, so I, my sense is that it's going to be too expensive to try to acquire him. Um, I am a player who in my keeper has been holding on to him through this time. And so I'm definitely excited uh, at the prospect of him uh, being ready in time for fantasy playoffs and even maybe a little bit of position jacking before we get there. Uh, so I think that's great. But I don't know that now is the time necessarily to go out and try to uh, acquire him. Um, but maybe if he starts on the second line and he isn't super successful right away, maybe you can make a pounce. But I think people have built him up so much. Uh, that it's going to be you're going to end up paying maybe above market value i think that that makes a lot of sense exciting nonetheless to see him nearly back speaking about outcheries Evgeny Malkin back in the lineup tonight for Pittsburgh. We are recording this before that game uh, begins, but it appears that Malkin is back in his usual spot on line two, playing with Carter and Kapanen, and then power play one with Crosby, Gensel, Rodriguez, and Letang. We had discussed whether or not Malkin would be would jump right back onto power play one, given how that unit was clicking with Brian Rust. Uh, rust out on covid protocol i believe so we are still waiting but just wanted to note because it's exciting to see malkin back in the lineup yeah and we got some insight from one of the patrons and i, I apologize i don't remember who it was off the top of my head but they suggested that uh, because rodriguez was playing a bumper spot that uh, oftentimes went to malkin that it's possible that he might be the odd man out once everyone is back and healthy but yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. In the meantime, I think that's certainly exciting for Kapanen and uh, Carter owners, uh, or rosters, I should say. Uh, just having the option to have an elite center uh, to play between them, I think, will be very good for their outlook, even if, um, you know, uh, especially Carter, it looks like, is now out of that power play one spot that he had before. Um, but I think good news overall for those guys. Absolutely. And then I think we're hopping over to Boston next. Yeah. So we on the mega show, we heard from Brian and Elon who went in depth with a lot of these guys. If you listen to the stream scheme, uh, you know, Dave was all over these Boston picks. Uh, Grizzlick, uh, Hala, Smith all had great nights in that seven to three. I believe it ended up uh, hand blasting of the Capitals. 
Um, you know, very exciting for all those folks. I just, I, I wanted to bring them up first of all to kind of give the proper kudos to our, uh, fellow Keeping Carlson family of podcasts for the great, uh, you know, advice that they were giving about these folks. And then just quickly, um, you know, we had that, uh, five point night from Grizzlick. Um, despite the fact that he wasn't starting on the power play, but I just wanted to kind of caution people that five point night nearly doubled Grizzlick's points on the season. Uh, not sustainable. Um, and you know, it, it listening to, uh, one of the patrons who's been around, uh, for as long as I have, certainly, um, Patty, who's a big Boston fan, she said, you know, uh, Charlie McAvoy was, was back in the game, but he was not at a hundred percent. Uh, he was coming off of those power plays, uh, fairly early. And um, I would not imagine that Grizzlick is going to be given that same opportunity in the future. So good for him for making hay while the sun shines. But uh, don't get too excited over that uh, five-point outburst. All right, Lewis. And then finally in Boston, I think we got to mention Tuka Rask, who signs a who is released from his professional trio contract and then signs with the big club. Uh, Jeremy Swayman sent down to the AHL today. Linus Olmark slated to get the next start for Boston, but all bets are off. It seems as though we could be seeing uh, Tuka Rask get some game action as soon as this weekend. Yeah, very excited. Good for the young man making it up with the big club. Uh, yeah, but in all seriousness, um, I think it's very interesting. I, I'm very curious to see how he does coming back from such a, a long time off. You got to feel for Swayman a little bit. He played really outstanding uh, to start his NHL career. Um, you know, he, he told management, you know, if those guys, if those guys struggle, will I have a shot back at the net? So he's got that competitive drive, which is great to see. Um, and you know, it, he was very helpful for a lot of, uh, fantasy managers, even if he didn't get as many starts as we sort of hoped for, uh, for Rask, like I said, you know, curious to see how it works coming, uh, coming out from that long break. And, you know, if how much faith will the staff have with him, if he struggles a little bit out of the gate. Uh, very curious to see how that sorts itself out. But, um, you know, I, I think he will continue to be – I think he is basically going to be a plug replacement for what Swayman was giving you. Uh, he'll give you about half the games. Uh, he'll play pretty well in the nine, you know, nine teens in there somewhere. Uh, and he should be a pretty good bet to win you most games that they come out. So that's obviously a very valuable fantasy asset. Uh, tough for the folks who held on with Swayman. You know, you kind of knew what you were getting into, I think, once the uh, Rask rumors began. So, uh, you know, the, the string is played out, at least for the time being, until something changes. All right, Lewis, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have lots more to talk about. You're listening to Short Shifts. Welcome back to Short Shifts. Lewis, we have one more injury we wanted to talk about, and then we're going to hop into a couple of streaks why don't you tell us what's going on in Detroit? Yeah, so Dylan Larkin uh, left the last game early with some kind of upper body injury. We haven't gotten a ton of details about it. In the meantime, Robbie Fabry takes over as the top line center. Uh, the Dauber Ramblings were talking about Fabry and kind of how he was finally getting his chance to get uh, some good top six minutes. So uh, nice to see him get a chance to kind of step into this role. Of course, not nice for the Larkin owners. The Larkin injury doesn't sound especially long-term. Coaches said that he wasn't yet ruled out of Thursday's game, but Fabry could be a nice short-term stream. He has been pretty cold with just one goal and no assists in the last five games, but after Larkin was injured and he took over, he ended up playing 25 minutes uh, in that last game and took four shots and had four hits. This is on Monday. 
Uh, so, you know, just someone worth keeping an eye on who's going to see some big deployment. Um, but obviously you want to take a look at, you know, this isn't an ad that I would make until Thursday. Uh, and I might be hesitant about it if Larkin sounds like a game day or a game time decision, uh, just because, you know, it could very easily be back to the usual for Fabry if Larkin comes back quickly. That makes a lot of sense to me, Lewis. I, I think Fabry has an opportunity to do something here. Uh, why don't you start us off with our streak section as we move into the final portion of our show? All right. This is a bittersweet one because this is a guy who's, you know, trumpet I've been blowing for a while. But uh, in my desperation to make sure I got as many points as I could, I feel like I need to do everything I can to avoid relegation in the Cupful KKUPFL. That's the Keeping Carlson Ultimate Patron Fantasy League. Uh, Jared McCann was a player who played zero games last week, thanks to the long Seattle layoff and someone that I felt comfortable dropping. Um, but there was a team that was so far ahead that they felt very fine just to grab him off of waivers. He's been excellent. Five points and 20 shots in his last five games. He's getting the line one power play one treatment that I've uh, argued that he deserves uh, this whole time. So, uh, very nice to see. Now, Seattle's not an offensive powerhouse, but he's been someone who's really has found his stride, and he's been frequently cited as being a player who the coaches love because he is willing to go to the dirty areas of the ice and do what needs to be done. Uh, only 26% rostered. Uh, so certainly a good option in a whole lot of leagues. If you are looking for someone who is getting that primo deploymento, uh, that is a guy you should take a look at, Jared McCann. Yes, I think now is the time that you want him. This is a good week to have Seattle Kraken on your lineup. I'm going to hop on over to Washington next. I wanted to chat about Tom Wilson, a player who started the season incredibly hot. 24 points in his first 26 games played. Looked like he might have unlocked a next level and has gone incredibly cold over the past seven games. Zero points. Uh, recently on Monday night was on a line with Nick Backstrom and Alexi Protus. Uh, they did not score a goal, but they did drive play at even strength to the tune of, I believe it was 67% shot attempts four for that line. Um, but for the cold streak, Wilson was also shooting about an extra shot on goal per game, closer to two shots per game than the 1.2 that he's been averaging the last seven with the cold streak taken into consideration, he's now on pace for 60 points, just a touch above his pace last year. I think the good news with Wilson is that we are seeing his hits start to rebound after he posted a career low rate last season. I think this is the Wilson we're likely to see rest of season and moving forward. A 55 to 60 point guy who will go on heaters when he's getting exposure with Alexa with Alex Ovechkin in particular, but probably not a guy who's going to be a 70 plus point player anytime soon. Yeah. So we've heard, I'm just curious about your opinion on this either or question. We've heard uh, Elon and, and Brian talk about Tanner Janot as maybe being the new Tom Wilson. I think uh, when, when Elon was suggesting how he would go about uh, trying to trade a Tanner Janot would be selling him as a new Tom Wilson. Which of those guys would you rather have at this moment? Oh, Tom Wilson for sure. I mean, we've seen him be good for longer stretches than Janot, and he's also getting better deployment. Okay, that was that was the answer that I was expecting from you. Uh, I agree. I think that that superior deployment. You know, it's great to see Janot doing what he's doing from the third line, um, but certainly. Uh, 
we can expect Tom Wilson to probably to be able to do it for over longer stretches. Uh, you know, but this is early in Janot's career. We may find out that uh, he really is the next Tom Wilson uh, over time. One last player we want to talk about before we take off here, and another guy that was brought up briefly uh, on the Mega Show, uh, but this is Cal Peterson. Uh, as mentioned on Sunday, Peterson is getting a shot at reclaiming the crease in LA. He shut out the Red Wings. Uh, you know, in a game where they really got off to a very bad start, I think they had more shots in the first period than the Red Wings uh, got in the entire game. Um, but he really played great in uh, a game beating the Rangers 3-1, to making some really spectacular saves. He only had 22 total, but where they lacked in quantity, he definitely made up in quality. Check out some of those replays if you get the chance. And he out-dueled uh, Georgiev, who had an outstanding game as well, but was beaten twice on 38 shots, and then they added the empty netter from Kempe. I do want to caution a few things moving forward if you are thinking about running out to grab Peterson. Just a few things to watch out for. We have a mostly healthy Penguins team coming into play L.A. on Thursday. And then next week features a Monday, Tuesday back-to-back at San Jose and then at home versus Tampa Bay. Uh, I think those games will help us get a much better understanding of the goalie dynamic um, just because they took, you know, uh, good to see Peterson defeat a Red Wings team that wasn't coming out very inspired and beat a Rangers team that has not been playing their best hockey lately either. Um, but I think we'll know more after that Penguins game and then uh, seeing how things play out on the back-to-back. Yeah, I think my issue with Peterson is less that I I'm, don't believe in his resurgence and more that I just see the Kings rolling a 50-50 moving forward. Like, I just don't... I can't imagine that they're feeling like they need to roll with either quick or Peterson as the number one workhorse kind of guy. And so I think if you're a quick owner it's in, or a quick manager, it's, it's incumbent upon you to grab him before he gets scooped up. But ultimately you might as well just have, I, I wouldn't get my hopes up the same way I had my hopes up for Peterson preseason because it, it seemed like it was his job for the taking. And, and I think now we're basically locked into a 50-50 split moving forward. Is that a duo that you would want to handcuff if it is a 50-50 split? You know, LA has actually been playing very well. They've had, uh, over the last few weeks, they've been near the top of the league in uh, percent goals for uh, expected uh so is that you would you burn a roster spot holding on to the pair i don't think that i would handcuff because it's i i think that i would grab peterson speculatively because if you're relying on jonathan quick then there's a chance that you're going to miss out on the guy who is the 1a in the second half of the season but i don't foresee peterson quick being like a varlamov sorokin level like two elite goaltender team and even if they do perform to that extent it's going to be there will be moments throughout the season where one of them is is a really tough hold just based on scheduling or or whatever so i don't think that i'm i'm looking at each of them as like long-term holds but in the short term i'm certainly interested in in grabbing peterson and i'm probably not ready to drop jonathan quick just based on how good he was to start the season Lewis, is that uh, is that all we have for tonight's show? I, I think that's it. I thank you so much for hanging out with me, and uh, thank you everyone for listening. And uh, for myself, I, I guess I'm looking forward to being back in the in the saddle on Thursday.
yeah looking forward to recording another show this was a good one there's always the question you know with the show being on sunday are we going to have enough news to cover by tuesday and clearly the answer is almost always yes it's crazy how much uh new stuff comes out all the time so thank you for joining us i hope it's helpful and productive i hope you're having a great fantasy week uh at least at the start here Uh, best of luck and until we see you again uh, play smart and keep your shifts short